being new to South Carolina, I am learning a lot about the agriculture around here. Not the way I wanted. And it all started with a mole. You see, there I was this spring. You see what happened was, you know what that means, right? There I was this spring, minding my own business, already kind of flabbergasted because the grass turns yellow in the winter in South Carolina. Never seen that before. Grass stays green in Virginia all year, okay? And so the grass was yellow. I said, what's going on? I'm not understanding. Anyway, spring's coming. Things are starting to grow back. And then I see little tunnels all throughout my front yard. I said, all right, I got a mole. So I went through the yard. I put all sorts of stuff for a mole. But what happened was when I started looking down, I started seeing all the weeds in my yard. And I said, well, of course, I got to have a better better grass than my neighbors. Isn't that ever, whatever guy thinks? Okay, yeah, so I have to beat my neighbors. So I started plucking out all of the weeds, you know, like anybody would, and I started seeing these vine-like things running all throughout my yard. And all right, you already know where I'm going. Just bear with me, okay? So I said, what is up with these vines? They're killing my grass. So I started pulling the vines up, and I said, you know what? I'm ripping the grass up with the vines. Should have dawned on me there. I'm ripping up, all the vines are woven in and out of my grass, so I'm gonna get some weed and feed. So I put some weed and feed down on my grass and I looked around and I said, it's just, it's not, it's not working. Everything's still going. The vines aren't dying. So I did what any sensible person would do. I ignored the directions and put more down. And I said, this will take care of it. So after about a month, well, my grass wasn't doing so great. Here's some pictures for you of my, my front yard. Do you see my neighbor's yard in the back? The lights are on. You hit those lights real quick, Robin. You, you can see the green grass in the back, and mine is in the front. Anyways, so that's what happened. Uh, I had a couple of spots that were thriving. It was mainly dying, as you can see. And so I talked with some guys who seem to know about grass, and especially Blake. I was asking Blake, who, who seems to know a lot more than me, definitely works with professionals who know a whole lot more than all of us. And they said, hey, get some compost and get some water. And he sent me some links about what to do with the grass. So when I got home, I sent him these pics. This was actually a close up my front yard. Here's the next pic. And I said, my assumption is not good. And then I sent him this one. These are the vines I was killing. His response, next slide, that's called grass and you accomplished your destructive objective. <laughs> My response was, well, I won now, didn't I? <laughs> so did you know that centipede grass has this vine-like thing that grows out of it? You knew that, I did not. My grass is now beautiful and green after three pallets of sod and $300 water bills. <laughs> But here's the thing, all I wanted was some grass. And what I found out is something you probably already know is just because you think something is right doesn't mean it's right. Just because you want something to work doesn't mean it will work. You say, well, of course, we already know that. I know, I, well, I had my opinion on how this was supposed to work. I even had my experience from Virginia of how we did things back there. I was spending all sorts of time pulling weeds. I was spending all sorts of time 
working in my yard. I was even trying to fix my sprinkler system. Nothing was wrong with it. I just decided to go fix it, right? Take a screwdriver, start playing with it. It wasn't for a lack of effort that my grass died. I was trying really hard. You see, while it's easy to laugh at something like this, it's not so funny when it comes to our marriages, our kids, our friendships, finances, careers, or even our churches. You see, we all have ideas about how we think things should work. We all have ideas about what we think is best. We can even work really hard at them. We can even throw a lot of money at it. But just because we think it's gonna work doesn't mean it's gonna work. And I bet if we were honest, there are many areas of our lives or perhaps maybe our friends' lives that kind of look like my front yard did. Maybe some sporadic, green, beautiful, luscious things going on, but a lot of it is brown and dying. Because just because we think something is right doesn't mean it's right. And when it comes to the important things in life, when it comes to our marriages and and our relationships and our careers and all the things that you think are important, it's better not to find out the hard way. It's better not to find out the expensive way. It's better not finding out that you're gonna have to deal with this or live with this mistake you made for the rest of your life that's gonna come back and keep playing itself over and over in your life. And did you know just like there are agricultural principles, there are spiritual agricultural principles in this life? Do you know that if you want an abundant life, there are certain things you must follow, certain things you must do? Just like I want an abundance of grass in my front yard, well, I can tell you what not to do to get that. But just like there are agricultural principles for grass, there are spiritual agricultural principles if you want an abundant life. You see, because Jesus says this, John 10, 10, he says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, according to Jesus, there is something actively trying to destroy your relationships. There is something actively trying to destroy your purpose, your careers, your families, your marriages, your kid's life, everything you have going. According to Jesus, there is a destructive force headed your way. But he has come for something different. He has come to give us an abundant life or a prosperous life. The NIV puts it this way, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The New Living Translation says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Don't miss it. Jesus is saying something's here that's trying to destroy. And maybe for the first time ever you realize, yeah, I know. Come see my house. Come see my my marriage, my family, my finances. I already know that. But Jesus says, I've come to give you something so much different. You see, give me the next 20 minutes. I want to teach you something from Jesus, something that changed my life. And I believe and I guarantee you, if you actually listen, I'm not being arrogant. Jesus says it. So if we actually listen to Jesus here, it will radically change your life. I promise. Here's what he says. This is a parable for Jesus. Before we get there, a parable is a spiritual truth wrapped up in a story. Parables are the way Jesus taught. He's full of them, and we read them in the story we're going through. But he says this in Mark 4, verse 2. You can follow on the screen behind me. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. 
As he scattered the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell along the rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that it did not bear grain. So others fell on the good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. If you have ears to listen, Jesus says, listen to this. And the disciples hear this from Jesus, and they say this. This is what I think they say. They say, okay, I fully understand that I don't understand a thing Jesus is teaching. You ever been there? If you haven't, you haven't read your Bible. Read your Bible sometimes. You'll come to the place where you're like, Jesus, I don't have a clue what you're trying to tell me. But luckily for us, he interprets this for them. Verse 13, then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Which they'd say, no. How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. The version in Luke, he says, the farmer sows, excuse me, the the seed is the word of God. So the picture here is there's a farmer going out sowing seed, throwing seed like any other farmer does, like you're trying to plant grass or corn or tomatoes. That's about all I got, okay? Anybody going out to do these things, you sow the seed. Now, when we hear that it's the word of God, what immediately comes to our mind? Well, good, I'm glad you're here, okay? The word of God is the scriptures, it's the gospel, it's all the teachings of Jesus. When we hear the word of God, it's not one or the other, it's all of it. So the idea is that he's going out sowing the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, includes the message of salvation. He's going out teaching us how to live and the parables and all of this. You see, this is the parable that unlocks every other parable. This is like the first one, the big one. This is why I'm teaching this way. So he's going out, throwing out his teachings. And he says, some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes, takes it away, and the word that was sown in them. So here we're talking about a a trotted path, one that's been walked on like the wood. You keep going over and over and over. It gets really hard. Some seed is like thrown on a hard path. Here Jesus is describing basic unbelief. Someone who hears the word, the word is sown on them, but it's rejected, it doesn't sink in, doesn't take root, they just go about their business. He said others, like seeds sown on a rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last for a short time when troubles or persecution comes. Look at this, because of the word, this is important, they quickly fall away. Here Jesus is describing a shallow faith. They hear the word, they hear the teaching of Jesus, they accept it, but when there's trouble implementing it, they're gone, they're done. I like how it used to be. I don't like the changes, I don't like what's going on, this is uncomfortable. If you start applying God's word to your life, it's gonna get very uncomfortable. I don't like this, so I'm gone. When trouble comes, a persecution comes because of the word, meaning they're trying to follow it, They leave, they run. You see, living out the scriptures aren't easy, but running from them, watering them down, ignoring them, well, it's not gonna lead to abundant life as Jesus is showing us now. Verse 18, he says, still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things, Come and choke the word, 
making it unfruitful. So here Jesus is describing what we call the selfish faith. They're not able to live an abundant life because things of this world are choking it out of them. What he calls thorns. This is gonna get very personal to probably about all of us real quick. You see, the thorns Jesus is describing over 2,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago is the worries of the life. How many worries are in here? Now you're gonna worry about worrying because Jesus said it's gonna rob you and stop you from living your best life. You say, well, I already know that. Stop worrying. So Brian, it's not that easy. Listen, worry is always about what? It's fear. You're afraid. You think you're actually in control. You're not. Fear. You're worried. You think, but when you give it to God and you allow him to be God and you allow you to be a creature, things change. So he says the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, meaning we can get so wrapped up in saving money, earning money, spending money. Sound pretty normal? We can get so caught, not just spending, right? We get on those people, but we can get so caught up with saving that we don't live a productive life. We can get so caught up with earning that we don't live a productive life. He said, deceitfulness of wealth, thinking wealth is the answer to life. What's well, a thorn that'll choke, choke the word of God out of you. And then he says, the desire for other things. Let's just call this being busy. Anybody been busy before? Yep, everybody. Right, we can get so busy wrapped up with things that we put God to the side. Hey God, I don't have time for that. God, listen, do you know what I got going on? God, you don't understand. Listen, I've already put, I've already put my time in. Jesus says, yeah. Deceitfulness of wealth, worrying and being so busy, it'll choke the word of God out of you. One scholar says, it's the cares of this world, the delight of riches and the desire for other things that become thorns in our lives and choke the word of God out of us. But there's another way, verse 20. Other seeds like sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So they hear the word like everybody else hears the word. They accept the word or adopt the word or receive the word. Whatever word you need to help you understand that they take it and internalize it. They take it and apply it. They take it and use it. It doesn't bounce off. They take it and put it into their lives and put it into practice. And through them putting the teachings of Jesus into practice, they're able to live an abundant life. You see, an average harvest would have been seven. A great harvest would have been 10. But Jesus says, no, you take what I'm saying, you internalize it, you use it, you're gonna have 30 to 60 to 100 times more. That's an abundant harvest. Three to six to 10 times more than you could have ever done on your own. Jesus says, you put my things into action, watch what happens. See, Charles Stanley says, obedience always brings blessings. You see, this parable from Jesus is teaching us what discipleship looks like. It's what following Jesus looks like. If you wanna have an abundant life, if you want things to be different, if you want things to be proper, prosperous, great, amazing, if you wanna have this life that Jesus has come to give, this is how. By following what he's telling, this unlocks everything else. But the dangers we all have when we hear God's word, when we hear the teachings of Jesus, 
Well, the dangers are being like the path, the beaten down path. We don't wanna repent. We really don't want his word in our life. You have the danger of the rocky soil who we really just want a worry-free, trouble-free life. And if, and if God's word involves change or self-reflection or something we gotta do differently, if it gets hard, whoa. I mean, I'm good. I got Wheel of Fortune and a lazy board. I, I don't wanna do that. Or those with a thorn infested. All of us have to worry about this. Worrying about worrying. Here I go. All of us have to pay attention to this. That the deceitfulness of wealth, it catches all of us. The worrying about life, trying to be in control of everything rather than just let God do his thing. These things will choke it out of us. But then there's a the good soil who receive it, accept it, and produce fruit. Did you know the whole reason for us having scriptures, for hearing the Bible, reading the Bible, is to produce something? If you're reading it just to know it, just to recite some facts, you're completely using it wrong. It's not to memorize it's to internalize, it's to use, it's to produce. It's not for Bible trivia games. It's to see life change in you and life change in others. You see, obedient faith leads to an abundant life because notice, there is nothing different with the word being sown. It's all about how people are receiving it. The word is the same for everyone, but it's how they receive it and what they do with it. And the steps Jesus says, that last one, that abundant life is three things. It's very simple. To hear, to accept, and to practice. Hearing is what you're doing now. You actually come to church. You are receptive. You're ready. This is one of the important reasons we believe gathering together is so important. To come together to hear God's word, to learn God's word. That's why we're here. Even when we don't feel like it. And it's through hearing we are challenged by God's word. Maybe different for some of us, but every time Jesus teaches, he challenges. Pay attention. It's never, hey, you're just good. Go be blessed. It's no. God wants to do something amazing and use you. Here's what it looks like. So we hear it, and then we accept or adopt or receive or whatever you need to remember it. You take it and it put it in here. This is where we teach when what's being taught we internalize into our lives. And this will produce something in us. This is true discipleship. But remember, what stops us from li really living out Jesus' teachings? He already told us, remember? The path. I really don't want to change. Or the shallowness of the faith. I really don't want to get uncomfortable. Or the danger of materialism. You see, we hear it. We accept it. And then we put it into practice. This is when we actually live it out. We see the fruit bearing. We see the things happen because we're doing what Jesus has asked us to do. And it's by our faithfulness, God will show up and create a harvest like you've never seen. It's that way he will use you and do things through you that you never thought was possible. You mean, Brian, if I like for real take his advice on forgiveness, he's gonna work through that? I guarantee it. All of it. The whole purpose of his teachings is to change you, to use you, to do something through you. You see, a danger that we face is thinking right now that I'm talking about material blessings. It's not. That's the prosperity gospel. An abundant life in Christ. What we're talking about is being a producer for Christ. Not just a consumer. Not just something that it's all about us. It's producing and God using us for his glory. And so we receive his word. 
We accept it. And then we put it in to practice. Because an obedient faith leads to an abundant life. And what would happen if you actually lived like that was true today? That thing that's going on right now that you're like, yeah, but not in this one area. What if you actually lived as if this was true? What would change? You see, God didn't give us the scriptures. I've told you this before, but I'm telling you, it changed me thinking this way. God didn't give us the scriptures because he was bored and wanted us to have rules and regulations just to watch us fail. God spoke so we could have great, amazing lives through him. The world is dark. The world is broken. The world is painful. You know this. The world already has all that going on. But through his word, he's saying, here's how you can live your best life through me. Here's how you can live to your greatest potential through me. Here's how I can use you like you've never dreamed of. But don't look at Bill Gates. Think Mother Teresa. You're saying, well, hold on, that's, that's not an abundant life. It was to her. You never know how God wants to use you. You will get the most out of this life by following him. You can find out the hard way like I did with my grass. You can just go for it. And that's what some of us have done with our marriages, our relationships, our careers, our kids, our spiritual life. We just went for it. Like we, we, we're just gonna figure it out as we go. Or we could listen to him. We could trust him. We could put what he teaches into practice. Just test them. Try it out. You see, because this is the testimony of my life. This is one of the most important things and most important principles that I ever learned. I was a punk kid, I've told you that, and I'm not joking, I got suspended every year since seventh grade, seventh grade, fighting or smoking, one of those two things. I'm not making that up. I graduated high school with a D average, a combined D average. It's in my, no one believe. it's in my office, 1.5 GPA. I was a terrible kid. I can't think of one person in my family who hadn't been divorced, not one, or never married, you know, and had a, all sorts of family. I had a life that was driven by fear and failure. When I was 20 years old, I was at this crossroad where a guy said, are you gonna take this serious or not? I'll never forget it, I was mowing the grass. He's saying, are you all in? I said, yes. And by following him, all of this other stuff in my life actually came together. You see, some of us are taught, go get an education, go get a career, go get a family, go get all of this other stuff and then come to God. But I can tell you that's wrong. It doesn't work. That's not scriptural. That's not biblical. What I found is when you pursue God, he'll take care of all these other things. He will add them. He will give them to you. This is what he teaches when he says, Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You see, when I started following Jesus, it cost me a relationship of five and a half years. That might not sound like a lot to you, but when you're 15 to 20, that's a lot. She, didn't want, she wasn't on the same page with me about Jesus, so that had to go. I had to quit my career as an electrician, dropped out of electrical school. Doesn't sound like a big deal to you. I took a 50% pay cut and had to move back in with my mom. When you're 20, who wants to do that? <laughs> see, those things don't sound like a big deal to me now because I know where I am. But where I was, it was devastating. 
giving up my career, giving up the only relationship that I had for that long. You see, I had to give up all of my plans. I'm glad I figured this out at 20 and not 30. But I had to give up all of that. Seeking his kingdom first was so hard, but along the way, he started giving me what I needed to accomplish his will. And it was so different. Now I have a career. Well, never in a million years would I thought I'd be doing this. My dad wasn't a preacher, okay? It didn't work out that way. This is new for all of us. I served my country in the army, which you're like, well, that's not a big deal. I didn't, I never ran the mile in high school. No, I'm not joking. I was too overweight. I never once ran a mile. And then all of a sudden now I'm in the military running and doing all of these things. I literally teach people for a living. I was the worst student you could imagine. Jess and I are celebrating our 11 years married, which is an amazing thing if you know me, that she's put up with me. We have three kids. I gave up electrical school and then I went to college. All of that stuff doesn't sound like a big deal to you, but it's amazing to me what God has done through me. And all I can think in my life is, what if I didn't follow? What if I didn't receive his word? What if I didn't actually put it into practice? What if I let my plans derail God's plans? And I can't tell you how many of us, that's the only thing going on in our lives. We want it our way. And God's saying, why? I got such a better thing to do. I I, I love you. I got you like... I have something so much better in store for you. Why don't we listen? So for you, what area do you need to put into practice the teaching of Jesus? I heard one preacher said 95% of what God wants you to do is found in here. And if you don't listen to this, why would he tell you the other 5%? Rocks my world, he was right. What about forgiveness? How about forgiveness? Jesus flat out teaches we must forgive. Forgiveness sets us free. For me, you say, well, no, Brian, me just forgiving that person, that's not gonna make that big of a deal. I guarantee you it will. It was one of the things holding me back from so much. If you have problems with forgiveness, read Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Or maybe submission. Maybe you always wanna be in charge and you always think you know what's best and you haven't learned that God puts people over you to lead. That's hard for some of us. Why do I know that? Because it was hard for this guy. Submission was one of my biggest problems. Read 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. Start putting it into practice. How about marriage? Are you mutually submissive to your spouse? Do you look out for the best interest of your spouse? So Brian's not gonna make that big of a difference. Of course it will. Or or maybe you need to get married. You need to make that relationship that you're living in sin. Maybe you need to actually make that right and follow God's design for people coming together. Or how about your finances? Read Luke 12, 13 through 21. What about sharing Christ? You have trouble with that? Read John 20 through 21. Excuse me, John 20, 21. How about being discipled? Have you grown in a Christian community? Are you a part of a Sunday school class? Have you stepped up to be committed and be a part of another group of Christians who are trying to figure this thing out? If not, read read the Great Commission, Matthew 28, um, 19 through 20. Or how about a personal ministry? Have you embraced that God has created you and designed you and wants to use you for his glory? You say, Brian, I'm not anything special. I know me neither, but he'll still use you. So he hasn't designed me. 
read Ephesians 2.10. If you struggle with it, read it and embrace it. He has designed you and created you and gifted you to use you and prepared good works for you to do. Has he prepared in vain? Of course not. There's so much more for you to do. You see, or maybe you're teaching or putting something above him. Maybe you're teaching your kids the American dream rather than the kingdom dream. Maybe you're teaching them that it's all about the career and the prestige and the money. Why? It's all about Jesus. If you believe him, he says, I will give you those things. I will give them to you if you seek me first. And I have found, and maybe some of you have too, I found that to be 100% true. He's took care of me every step of the way. We must hear, we must adopt, and we must put into practice. And so my urge this morning is for you is whatever your next step faith is, whatever that looks like, to take it. Whatever that air in your life that you've kind of been neglecting, because Jesus says, listen, Jesus says there's different types. Those who receive the word and put it into practice, he will produce something. He will do something through you, something that you could have never, ever done on your own. And so what are you missing out on, you think? And as a church, a community of people under the lordship of Jesus, we have to pay attention to these verses, this parable. If we want our church to be used by God in a mighty way, we have to take his word serious. We have to hear his word, we have to receive his word, and we have to stand on his word. No matter how hard it might seem, no matter how counterculture it might seem, we actually have to put into practice what he teaches. Because according to Jesus, the reasons that he blesses are those who put it in to practice. So could it be? Could it be the reason why many churches are experiencing an absence almost of God or a decline is because they're not focusing and paying attention to what he said? I would say that's exactly right and he already told us. Receive it, accept it, and follow it. If we want God to move in a mighty way, we have to get serious about his word. And then we will see lives changed. We will make a mark in this community, and I can't tell you, I cannot wait for the day we're known for more than prom pictures and a beautiful landscape. Not funny. I want to be known because people are saying, hey, when I go there, God is moving. When I go there, lives are changing. When I go there, we're not talking about, well, we're talking about God moving and the baptism of God using us and us growing and us stepping up. We want God to sweep through this place so we can reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We gotta receive it, accept it and adopt it and put it into practice. And through that, God will make the harvest. God will grow it. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, oh, we come to you in the name of Jesus and thank you for this time. We thank you for the great love you have for us. The parable of the soils is a tough one for all of us, Lord. We all are in danger of being the path that isn't receptive or we're in danger of having a shallow faith Or perhaps we're being choked by all the thorns of this life. Lord, every last one of us has to think through that. 
But Father, we know your word is alive and active. We know it's powerful, sharper than any sword. And Father, show us the areas of our lives that we're neglecting your truth. Show us where we're learning things the hard way. Show us to where we need to trust in you and deepen our relationship with you to have this abundant life that you've offered. This amazing life in Christ. Father, we pray as a church that you strengthen us. That you give us your vision for what you want this church to be. And I pray that we in unity come together around the gospel of Jesus Christ and worship, and celebration to reach this community with the gospel, to teach people these principles, to follow Jesus, a discipleship life, to to grow and experience what you're giving freely away. Father, we thank you for your grace. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.